You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by Thoroughbred Racing Commentaries Global Rankings. Thank you for listening to episode 529 of the Nick Luck Daily. It's Monday the 18th of July. It's Charlotte Greenway in for Nick as he takes a much-deserved holiday this week. I'll be with you for the next couple of days before Tom Stanley takes over from Wednesday. And while talking of holiday, I'm not sure there's any need to leave Britain right now in search of the sun as we're peak heatwave over the next couple of days. The BHA made the decision to abandon five fixtures scheduled for today and tomorrow, but the most northern fixtures of Cartmel, Eyre and Musselburgh are going ahead. Dave Yates of the Daily Mirror is with me this morning. Dave, was this the right decision? I've absolutely no doubt that it's the correct decision, Charlotte. And the I must compliment Jane Williams, the trainer, who was ahead of the curve on Friday late morning and she tweeted there is absolutely no point in the uh, the meetings that are in the affected areas going ahead and that you know racing this was this was potentially um, a very bad news story for racing and the, the BHA uh, acted and they acted in plenty of time and so obviously we've lost those cards uh, today um, Five meetings, of course, have gone over the two days. We've lost Beverly and Winter today, and then tomorrow, Chelmsford for City, Southall and Wolverhampton. We've got Aaron Cartmel today and Musselburgh tomorrow. But, you know, the we, we often talk, don't we, in horse racing about um, being in our own bubble and uh, the fact that although this sport is incredibly important to us and it's a very uh, significant industry in Britain, it is a sport. And when you're dealing with temperatures like this, up to uh, indeed in excess of 40 degrees Celsius, those of us I know with elderly relatives have said to them, you must do this today. I was on the phone to my mother last night saying you are to sit in the house with the windows open and to sit in front of the fan. And that is it. I don't want you going into the garden to do the tomato plants today. Um, That um, obviously it's 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 in in the, the, the grand scheme of things in what amounts to a 48 hour emergency in terms of the weather i think it's absolutely the right thing to do that these five meetings have been cancelled and one should say that it there seems to have been a, a very welcome sense of unanimity um and concord in this sense that when the the, the announcement was made by the bha i think everybody concerned said yes that is the right thing to do so i think it's a it, it's much the right thing to do. Hopefully, from Wednesday onwards, uh, we will be okay. The the the, uh, the temperatures at this afternoon's meetings are forecast to be in the the mid twenties, so that should be okay uh, for those two fixtures. And hopefully, from Wednesday onwards, we can get back to um, what equates to normal in British horse racing. I'm very sorry that my uh, my trip to see To Kill a Mockingbird. Uh, in London tonight uh, has uh, been canned. But uh, as I've said, in the grand scheme of things, even that is small beer. And just looking back to last week, uh, weather-related, there was a strike from stable staff at Kilbegan 
um, over being provided with water bottles. Uh, Kilbegan, they've released a statement saying there was water available via the tap, drinking water, um, and they did then have to provide water bottles. What did you make of this? Well, it's, you know, it's something, it's often uh, a perennial issue in British horse racing, the the treatment of stable staff and, uh, you know, it, it, those of us who are on social media an awful lot are, are, are used to seeing pictures from uh, British race courses from stable staff where they say this really isn't good enough. In, in this in this instance, um, I think that it, it's obviously incumbent on um, race courses to provide uh, water when the when the temperatures soar as they have done in the last week. Now, Kilbegan would say and have said indeed that uh, there was tap water available that that they they might not have had the resources to uh, to to bottle it and present it in that way, but it was there. So um, I I don't know you know the exact details of of how it was presented, how much water was available, but. In a general sense, you know, I can say, and I think we all agree with this, that um, that, that is the very starting point for uh, f- for any sport and for, for horse racing, that the, uh, the, the staff who are employed uh, to put these meetings on, and obviously they include the, the staff that, that travel and that deal with the horses, that they are kept safe and that in issues like this, there is enough water for them. So... That is the starting point. And whatever happened at Kilbegan, I hope that certainly over the next couple of days, we won't uh, hear a repetition of, of complaints that, that there wasn't enough water for the staff, because obviously the horses uh, and the humans will need to be hydrated. And Dave, as mentioned there, Cartmel will be going ahead this afternoon. And earlier, I caught up with their clerk of the course, Anthea Lee. Anthea, temperatures up in Cumbria might not quite compare to what we're seeing down south, but what sort of measures are in place for this afternoon to best ensure the welfare of the horses? Yes, good morning, Charlotte. Um, yes, thank you very much. Yeah, no, um, thankfully we're not in, um, you know, in that red zone, those very high heat temperatures, um, although, you know, it is going to be warm. So the measures that we, um, you know, we're putting in place, we have brought race times forward. On Saturday, um, we went into an amber zone and at that point I rang um, uh, Sally uh, in the veterinary department at uh, BHA, uh, James Gibbon, just to, um, you know, speak to her about, you know, what, um, you know, what we might do and, and spoke with our own veterinary team. And as a summer jumps course anyway, we are very, you know, well set up for cooling. So for a good number of years now, we uh, have had uh, cooling fans um, in place. So we build a, a canopy with, with the sides enclosed, the cooling fans uh, go on in the morning and then, um, you know, it creates, you know, a, a, a cool atmosphere that horses can come into today as they arrive. If they wish, they can go and, and, and you know, wash off and then go into, uh, you know, into the cooling fans before racing. And um, uh, racing staff have become very good over the years um, uh, about using them, you know, sort of very wisely and say on, on, on veterinary advice uh, and so on. They will, well, after saddling, um, the vets say it's become, you know, very, you know, uh, they've done studies and everything. And pre-cooling, pre-race is, is, is very effective. So, so they saddle up and go into the cooling fans and then 
then come into the parade ring and then out onto the track. So for that reason, uh, we're running all the uh, hurdle races first. So we shouldn't we should be about 25 degrees when we start racing at 12 noon, and we'll get all the bulk of the runners through in the first four races, and then the chases. Um, there's uh, one with five, one with four. Now there's one non-runner, and we finish out with a two-runner novice chase, which we put on the end. One of those is a local horse, belongs to Jimmy Moffat, so that's very near to home. And we can very effectively, you know, cool those horses both before and uh, and after racing. Uh, we have copious amounts of water around the track uh, at the stable yard, uh, mobile water, water at every fence. And we have a dedicated cooling team as well. Um, and we have a lot of um, really good, you know, sort of horsemen and women who will be assigned a horse um, uh, and so on after the race, uh, after each race. And, you know, there will be a lot of, uh, of, of water put on them. So, you know, as I say, we, we have a good system in place and uh, I'm sure that will come into its own today. I'm just... In Ireland last week, Kilbegan received a bit of criticism for not supplying water bottles to stable staff. Is this something that, I don't know, Cartmel do already or will you look to do on days like today? Uh, we already do that and uh, in the stables office I'm looking at it now we have a, a water cooler uh, as well as a fridge uh, with water in there'll be you know bottled water and as I say cups of, of cooled water from the water cooler available for uh, for racing staff all day also for the jockeys uh, and for the BHA staff there's be water cooled water at every start um, so we'll, we'll be keeping everybody hydrated and I know Cartmel's a bit of a unique experience. I would imagine there'll be quite big crowds today with the with the, with the weather and picnics. Yes, there'll be a lot of yes, a lot of people will be coming for their uh, picnics. Obviously, bringing the, the the first race time forward won't you know won't suit some of those uh, and everything. But I think everybody's very understanding of the good reasons for doing that. Um, and um, you know, people bring their own picnics, and, and there's a stream runs through the middle of the course. People use that that for cooling a lot of their bottles. It's very good for children and dog cooling as well. So <laughs> we have natural resource uh, from that point of view. And um, we had a really good, really good crowd on Saturday. It was super and a super atmosphere. And while it won't be as big today, it um, you know it should, still should be a good turnout. Perfect. Well, Andreas, thank you so much for your time, and I hope all goes well this afternoon. Thank you very much. Thank you, Charlotte. I'm joined by Judmont's racing manager, Barry Marne, who, of course, have Westover in this weekend's King George. He's favourite after routing his rivals in the Irish Derby last time. Barry, what sort of reports have you been getting since then? Yeah, I think the Rafe and his team have been happy with the horse. Um, it's not ideal that, you know, he's he, he, he went from Epsom to Ireland to the King George Um you know, it's relatively tight for an elite athlete competing at this level. But uh, Rafe and his team have been happy with him and they feel he's taken it well. And, and uh, I don't think he's done a huge amount of work, but uh, the bit he has done, they've been very happy with it. And the ground, I'm sure, you know, would they never let it get too quick now. But would you prefer a little bit of rain before then? Ah, look, as long as it's safe, I think we're happy. Um, I don't think we'd want it too too fast. He's a big horse and, you know, I don't think we'd like to, to run him on ground too fast. And I think that's something we'd look at come today, that if it was too quick, we'd have to, to, to look at things. But I'd imagine Ascot do a very good job. They've great ground staff and uh, I'd imagine the ground will be perfect on the day. Then it was confirmed this weekend that Colin Keane will retain the ride. Was that a fairly straightforward decision after the Curra? Yeah, yeah, no, it was to be fair. Look, I think we, we've we've sort of formed a bit of a closer alliance with Colin. That uh, his first retainer is Ger Lyons, 
Um, but when he's available and, and uh, we're able to get his services and he's now ridden two classic winners for us. So uh, we're delighted to be able to, to get him for next Saturday and, or this Saturday. And hopefully the partnership can, can keep their 100% strike rate. And for these good horses, we always sort of like to plot their targets for the season in our heads. And people have been talking about him as a St. Ledger horse. Do you think that's a realistic option or should he go and win or go close this weekend? Could we see him in something like the Ark? I think, Charlotte, he's a very, very versatile horse. And I think that's something we're going to see as the season goes on. And I think, you know, St. Ledger, uh, Champion Stakes, Judmont International, Pre de Lark, you know, I think he, he, he has the versatility to perform at a very high level from a mile and two to a mile and six probably. So I think uh, Saturday's race will will pinpoint a little bit closer where we'll go. He's He is going to need a little bit of a break too at some stage. He's on the go since Sandown, which was early, the first derby trial of the year. So, um, you know, we'll have to see how Saturday goes first and how he comes out of it. And then Rafe will decide whether he wants to give him a break and, and where he wants to go from there. And quick line on his stallion, his sire, Frankel. I mean, he's had a phenomenal year last year with the two derby winners, but he seems to have gone on again to another level this year. He has, you know, he's he's really, it's it's unbelievable the level he stepped up to this year. You know, every, every weekend is, for the last six or eight weeks, he's having group one winner after group one winner. And, you know, I think we all... We all lived through the year of Galileo and his dominance and we, we all felt that we'd never see another one like him. And I think the industry is very lucky that, you know, on the back of him, we are seeing another one, which is phenomenal. Just before you go, Roger Charlton revealed that Judmont have sold the Britannia, your Britannia winner thesis to Hong Kong. We've seen the operation sell plenty of horses abroad before, be that Hong Kong, Australia, etc. But he's a horse that looked a bit more unexposed and some of your previous exports is this a sign of a slight change in policy ah look i think i think it's a sign of of the times and i think the well documented um last week uh, the well documented poor prize money in britain and i think uh, he he was a lovely colt who was very impressive in winning at ascot and uh, you know any ascot winner is special um, and I think when we sat down and looked at the offer um, from a business point of view, we, we all felt that you know he he was never going to be able to earn in Britain what what we were getting offered. So um, I think from a business point of view, we, we decided to take it. And it's unfortunate to lose a horse like him, but look, Roger and Harry done a great job with him, and uh, he'll join Richard Gibson Stable in Hong Kong, and hopefully he'll be able to progress for them. And Dave, of course, the King George this weekend. The weather looks like it's going to be a bit more comfortable. There's not much rain forecast, though. Disappointing. We've lost Desert Crown due to a small setback. But we just heard from Barry Marne of Judmont there on Westover, who's quite a short price favourite. What do you make of his chances? Yeah, I think he's got a very strong chance. I think that the... Um, I, I was I was unconvinced that he was an unlucky loser uh, in the Kazoo Derby at Epsom on June the 4th. I thought that the winner... Uh, Desert Crown was impressive that day, and I suppose there was a there was an element of heart and head in in watching the winner. I wanted him to win. I wanted him to win impressively because whatever Sir Michael Stout uh, thinks of us in the racing media, we wanted him to have another really good horse on his hands, and so 
I was really impressed with the winner. I wasn't sure that Westover was an unlucky loser that day, but what he did at the Curra uh, three weeks later was really impressive. And I would imagine that Colin Keane will 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 ride the horse in in a, a an aggressive way if it's a small field. It's it's likely, I suppose, that Pile Driver will lead. Um, but yeah, the I think. The, the early indications, to me at least, are that the, the, the Colts' form is stronger than the Phillies' form at, at a mile and a half among the three-year-olds. And that would put Westover ahead of Emily Upjohn for all that she was unlucky in the Oaks when she was beaten by Tuesday. Obviously, that's another, um, you know, the, the, the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. We don't have Desert Crown, but we do have Emily Upjohn as a result of Friday's uh, bird strike. The horse that the uh, the horse was going to be uh, transported, flown from Stansted Airport, but the flight that was coming from Edinburgh was hit by a bird strike, and so that scheduled flight wasn't wasn't able to take place on time. So we do have Emily Upjohn added to the King George field at the last minute. But yeah, I I I think that this is Westover's to lose. Really, uh, I I think it, it even. Putting it as bluntly as that, I don't think he's really overdoing it. I was I was very impressed with him at Epsom. Obviously, more impressed with him at the Curra, and I think he's much the likeliest winner of this race. But I suppose that's suggested by his position at the head of the market. He's a, a general six to five, five to four favourite. There's a couple of firms that are ducking it at eleven to ten, but uh, he looks the the worthy market leader in my eyes. We've got a. A bit of jockey news, haven't we, to, to tidy up. Uh, Pile Driver is written by PJ McDonald. I spoke to William Muir yesterday and he said that he was inundated with calls from top riders um, to partner this horse at Ascot, but that most of all he was looking for consistency, a, a jockey who would commit to partnering the uh, the five-year-old during the rest of 2022. PJ McDonald felt able to do that. And so he'll ride the horse on Saturday. Uh, William Muir said that he, he cantered at Newbury yesterday and that uh, looking further ahead after Ascot, they're, they're hoping to go to the Ark. They're hoping to uh, return to Hong Kong as well in December. And he said we needed someone to go with us on all those. And PJ McDonald was... The person to do that. It's interesting. In talking to William Muir yesterday, it reminded me of the business with uh, Frankie Vittori and John Godson, and I think that was one of the sticking points in the uh, the uh, sabbatical. There was that, of course. John Gosden was able to get top-class riders for the horses, but not the same top-class rider all the time. And that was obviously in William Muir's thinking when he signed up P. J. McDonald. Miss Riff, of course, that ride is still up for grabs. I imagine that John Gosden and Prince Faisal will make some sort of announcement later on this afternoon. Last year's shock arc hero, Torquato Tasso, is currently around the 9-1 to one mark. And Marcel Weiss's assistant trainer, Julia Romick, joins me now. Julia, good morning. How likely are we to see Torquato Tasso at Ascot this weekend? Um, yeah, he, uh, this morning he worked uh, very, very nice. Um, we had a lot of English people around to see this work. And they, um, he, he did an impression work. So we are very confident for the, for the race tomorrow, uh, uh, this weekend. And, um, yeah, the, the horse is getting more and more 
his form from last year, so we're very confident. Yeah, he was a little bit disappointing, wasn't he, first time out and then looked back on track at Hamburg last time. Do you think you've got him somewhere near the form he was before last year's arc? Ah, Toccato Tasso is a special horse. Um, we It's just every year the same. Uh, we cannot get him fit for the first race. That's impossible. He needs a first race to wake up uh, in the season and then uh, he progress with every race he has. And um, this is, um, yes, we are on the way to, to the arc. This, this race now is, is a race on the way to the arc. And we can get him, uh, make him progress with every race um, who comes. He's not at 100% at the moment, but he's on the best way uh, to get his best form back in uh, one or two months. And as you say, it's a struggle to get him fit first time out. Is he quite a lazy horse in his work at home? Um, yes. Um, he's wake up really. He's waking up uh, after the first first race. Before it is it's hard to get him fit because yes, he's a bit uh, a bit lazy. And um, the other thing is, we don't have so many uh, horses with uh, this class and um, with the bad horses or the horses um, uh, uh, with less class, uh, he's always working very easy and we cannot get him really fit. This is, uh, this is Torquato Tasso, he's like that and, and, and we, we, we have it in our plans. So of course we were a bit disappointed, but we, we were not too much surprised as well. Mm-hmm. And who will ride him this weekend? Um, that will be René Pichulek, uh, the jockey who rides him every time. He, he knows the horse perfectly. He rode him this morning at the gallop as well. And um, never changed a winning team will stay with our jockey. <laughs> and of course, the arc was run on heavy ground. It's, it's due to be mid-30s today near Ascot. They'll be watering. But would good to firm ground worry you for him? No, absolutely not. Uh, first of all, they are the best horses in Europe running this day. So the Escat uh, Racing Club will do everything for having a perfect ground this day. Mm-hmm. Um, second thing, our horse can do every ground. Maybe he prefer, uh, uh, yes, he's a bit better on soft ground, but he can do every ground. He's, he wins even in Hamburg on, on fast ground and last year as well. He doesn't have any problems um, with legs or something else. So he's absolutely independent um, what what the grounds makes. And German runners have a great record in the King George. Novelist was the last one in 2013. What do you make of the British challenge to Aquatitasso is likely to face this Saturday? Yes, I remember what the jockey said to to the... To the racing, to the man from the racing post, he said, um, "We were the third horse winning the Arc de Triomphe, and now we want to be the third one to win uh, the King George as well, the third German uh, horse." Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, of course, we we think that um, this is a dream of every owner, of our owner as well, and of our our trainer to have a runner in this race. And when we go to 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 England. Then with this horse, he has enough class 
to to run with these good horses. Well, Julia, thank you so much for talking to me and best of luck this yes, weekend. No I'm very much looking forward to seeing him come over and putting his arc form to the test. Dave, it's interesting to hear Julia Rummick say there that Torquato Tasso isn't 100% yet and they are aiming him at the arc in October to peak then. But do you think he's good enough to win a King George? I definitely think he's good enough under the right conditions, Charlotte. And, you know, when you, when you look at the horse's form on the, I, I, you know, use the Racing Post site, the, even the victory in Hamburg uh, on Eclipse Day a, a couple of weeks ago, that was on ground that's given as good to soft. Um, looking at Torquato Tasso's race course records, it, he has raced exclusively on, on ground with give in it, um, in, including good, of course. Um, so that, for me, would be the sticking point. There was absolutely no element whatsoever of fluke about Torquato Tasso's victory at Longchamp in the art last October. Yes, you can say, well, it was heavy ground and it didn't play to the strengths of some of those who were in attendance. And I suppose we're, we're, we're looking at the likes of Adair and, and Hurricane Lane. But equally, there's, 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 there was no fluke. He, he won that race and he won it fair and square and in very good style. And that, to me, is the issue. I remember talking to Marcel Weiss probably a few days after the, the arc last year. And in our sort of, it, it wasn't, um, my, my pigeon German and his pigeon English, we sort of met in the middle. But what we did establish was that the trainer felt that faster ground would not be a problem uh, for Torquato Tasso. And at that time, he said, we're, we're looking towards the King George next summer. That's the that's the first big race of 2022 that we're going to look at. And then, of course, we will look at retaining his crown at Longchamp. Um, I think he's a fascinating runner. I really hope he runs well. Do I think that he'll win on, on ground that I suppose is very likely to be good to firm summer ground? Well, personally, no, I don't. Personally, I think that um, he would he would need, you know, his standout performance is on heavy ground winning Europe's middle distance championship race. So it has to be open to a doubt and a pretty heavy doubt as to whether he can reproduce that form on faster ground. Sorry, that was a very long and circuitous answer um, to basically say, I don't think he'll win on Saturday, but I'd really love him to run well. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned previously about... Emily Upjohn, she couldn't make it to Ireland this weekend. And we'll just reflect on the racing we saw over the weekend. Um, Tuesday also wasn't declared. It wasn't quite the race we'd hoped for, but that didn't bother connections of Magical Lagoon, who won for you long investments, Jessica Harrington and Shane Foley. What, what did you make of her performance? Yeah, I, I thought it was... Um, it was it was a step forward from the victory in the the Ribblesdale Stakes at Royal Ascot. I thought it was a very tough performance. I think that um, as Shane Foley said afterwards, and I think Jessica Harrington also alluded to that um, the jockey felt that the, the way that the race had unfolded, um, he wanted to go forward rather than hold up from a draw in stall eight, and that meant that at the at the two furlong pole that the, the tactical situation that was presented to Shane Foley was, well, you know, it, it's now or never mate. So, um, 
he took Magical Lagoon to the front. Obviously, Toy and Ryan Moore were shadowing that move on the outside. And I think that given different circumstances, perhaps a lower draw, a bigger field, Shane Foley would have preferred to have taken more time in delivering uh, the winner to the front. But I thought just watching it, even watching it live, that much as Toy got upside Magical Lagoon, I, I don't feel that she ever got to the front. I just felt that the, that the winner was going to be able to, to pull out a bit more. That's what she did in the end, um, that, uh, to, to take her to a, a half-length victory. So, yeah, it was a, it was a, I thought it was a, a, a... Given that we lost two of the, you know, the, the, the A-listers in Emily Upjohn and Tuesday, I thought it was a really satisfactory result. Uh, they finished, what, just under three lengths clear of the third horse. You would think that if they met the likes of Tuesday and Emily Upjohn, in the future, that the, the, the latter pair would be uh, preferred. Um, Jessica Harrington is 75. She's uh, having an amazing career, and this was um, obviously her first victory in the Oaks and her second uh, classic success. She'll now go the winner for the, for the Yorkshire Oaks and beyond that. I know they haven't made any decisions as to where they will go for the rest of 22, 2022, but it does look as though Magical Lagoon will stay in training as a four-year-old. And so we still have much to look forward to from her next year. And Aidan O'Brien's toy you mentioned was second there, but he had plenty of winners over the weekend. Order of Australia was one. He set himself up, it looks like, for the Sussex Stakes. Did any of his other runners catch your eye? I know he had a couple of two-year-old winners. Yeah, I thought it was, well, it was obviously a, a, an, an amazing weekend at Group 2 level for Ballydore, wasn't it? Because we had the Robert Papin at... Shanti, in which a Blackbeard led home the Antarctic, the, the Antarctic, um, his stable companion. Uh, they were separated by three lengths. Blackbeard received a quote of 25 to 1 for the 2000 guineas next year. That suggests among the bookmakers that, you know, now that we're in mid-July, I think that suggests that they think there are going to be more uh, attractive, perhaps convincing contenders around uh, for the Colts Classic next year for um, for Aidan O'Brien. And of course, as you mentioned, uh, he was in great form at the Curra 2. Order of Australia um, defended his title in the Minstrel Stakes, that of course a, a Group 2, and Lily Pond won the Kilboy State Stakes. So it was something of a, a Group 2 monopoly for Aidan O'Brien over the weekend. Well, it's been a fantastic 10 days for Adrian O'Brien of Hazelwood Bloodstock after dual grade one success in America by graduates of his consignment at Tassels, but one in 2019 and 2020. Adrian, you must have been delighted and we'll talk about the fillies in a moment. But first, just give us a bit of background on Hazelwood Bloodstock because it's quite a new operation, isn't it? Yes, thank you very much for, for, for having me on, Charlotte. Um, yeah, we... we we opened our doors back in 2016, um, very much a family-run operation. Myself and my wife, um, who is also our resident vet, run the operation. Um, I spent a lot of time in Australia, um, picked up a lot of, well, some contacts over there, some exceptional clients, and they were very good to support us when we opened, and, and they, 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 they continue with their support um, to this day. So it's it's wonderful 
to to get some amazing results at the, at the highest level for for these people they've been so very supportive and so you've got you concentrate on the mayor's um boarding and sales prep is that right exactly yeah the um we have a sort of a, a relatively small bunch of of of, of broodmares um about 30 in total um and we yeah we, we we operate just outside of newmarket obviously in recent years we have um some exciting stallions in and around the area um obviously frankel kingman dubawi and some some other um young horses now that are emerging um so we're we're, we're well located i think to um to take i suppose take advantage of of the the, the growing number of of exciting stallions in the uk and the first of the fillies to score at the top level 10 days ago was McCulloch in the Belmont Oaks. She was a Frankel, mm. she's a Frankel filly. She went through the ring for 180,000 guineas. She looks like she's improving with every start. Was she always one that you thought might just want a little bit of time? Yeah, she was always going to take a little bit of time. She never, she never um, struck us as a, as a sharp, precocious type. Um, but the, the the most remarkable thing about the the McCulloch story is is is, is her mother Estrell, who has now had three to the races for for a Group One winner, a Group Two winner, and a Group Three winner. I mean, she's off to an amazing start, and she's she's quite the phenomenon. And you, so you've had you had McCulloch as a foal, I take it, on the farm. Yes, we, we, she she was she was born and raised with us, um, which makes it very exciting, obviously. We're facilitating the wishes of of, of the, these fantastic breeders, but um, it, it's very satisfying when when you've you've seen the story from the beginning, and and um, and, and then it's it's I suppose a little bit emotional then when 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 they do make it to the top. Um, so yeah, it's yeah. We, to be honest with you, we were I'm st- I'm still processing that one, and, and 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 then this other one just happened the other night. So I'm 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 on the ropes here. <laughs> And of course, the other filly was the four-year-old in Italian. Um, she won the Grade One Diana Stakes at Saratoga. She's a Dubawi filly out of a Group-winning mare. I imagine you always had quite high hopes for her then going into Book One, where she made four hundred and seventy-five thousand guineas. Yes, yes, yeah, she um, she was a lovely filly from from the get-go. Um, her mother Florentina, I I knew from from my days in Australia. Um, her breeder John Camilleri has been um, uh, a huge support to us and is is one of the, the savviest um, independent breeders um, anywhere in the world. And um, yeah, she 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 was. Look, we we we're we're blessed to have a lot of high quality stock. Um, but yeah, we 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 liked her from 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 the beginning. Um, but it would be a stretch if I was to say, you know. <laughs> I knew she was the one or any nonsense like that. <laughs> yeah, of course. And do you get the biggest clue, do you think, during prep when you, they're on the lunge and you're sort of seeing them out and about every day? Is that, do you think, the most important it's, time? It's certainly a good indicator. Um, there's no doubt about that. Um, I suppose mentally how they handle a sales preparation, that's also a very good indicator. Um, but, you know, you, you never know for sure until... Um, until until they're put to the test, obviously. Um, but yeah, it, the, the the prep can give you some good clues, and 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 then um, when you get to the sales, you know, you can you can 
give agents and, and potential buyers a an honest and frank assessment of, of, of what you think and, and let them make their own minds up from there. And well, to top off the 10 days, Hans Anderson, a two-year-old you sold last year to MV Magna at Book One, broke his maiden this weekend and is early second favourite for the Derby. How important is it for you to see these horses go on to success on the track? It's it's what it's all about, Charlotte. You know, we we, we produce some, you know, magnificent yearlings at the sales and it's great to have... Um, success in the sales ring but you know they, they need to do it on the race on the race course and that that is the most exciting thing for me obviously um he he had a beautiful hans anderson had a beautiful introduction at, at tipperary where he was second there a couple of weeks ago and and then it was it was fantastic to see him do what he did on on on, on saturday um Joseph's horse ran very well in second, but they, they put a couple of lengths on the third horse, and yeah, he looks he looks really exciting, and um, yeah, could could not be happier. He he was he was a beautiful beautiful horse, very difficult to, to knock him on on um, on type anyway. And just before you go, you no doubt have a strong draft for this year. <clears throat> Is there anything in particular that's standing out at this stage? Um, given our relatively small numbers, we are. I, I believe um, we have a very strong book one draft this year, including a full brother to, to Hans Anderson. Um, mm-hmm. We will have our, our biggest draft catalogued in that we have 10, um, 10 in the book, four of which are Dubawis. Um, there's a Siouni, a couple of Kingmans, the aforementioned Frankel out of Shadowhunter, and then two... Um, two representatives from first season stallions in, in two Darren Hoff and, and Magna Grisha. The, the Magna Grisha being a brother to Royal Patronage, who um, who has performed very well on. Well, he's he's now in in in, in the states, but um, obviously mm-hmm. he won the, the Royal Lodge last year. Yeah, of course. Well, Adrian, thank you very much for talking to me this morning, and I look forward to seeing your draft in October and following them through the ring. Brilliant, Sharon. Thank you so much indeed. Um, and Dave, just before you go, have you got a tip for us today? I do. We go to Air, one of the two meetings that uh, survived today, the 410 race, and Bernardo O'Reilly, number three on the card, not just because I like the name either. Um, this horse tends to produce his best in big fields where there's a decent pace. Now, there were just 12 of them declared for this race of which now 11 stand their ground but a few of them like to go forward i think that bernardo o'reilly might just get a decent pace to aim at here successful on his return at doncaster that was uh, four starts to go four pounds higher here but i think from a tactical perspective things might play out for this horse and he's just about at double figure odds so 410 race at air selection is number three bernardo o'reilly Well, thank you very much once again for listening. Sorry it's a little bit late, but I'll be back with you again in the morning. That was episode 529. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary. (music) 